The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, welcome to Brother from Another. On a Tuesday, we got a lot going on today. I got to say this, it's not every day you talk to your co-host, you read your headlines, and you see your co-host in the news. So I'm seeing my co-host in the news... Jim Trotter. It's funny. It's like it's like one of those things growing up. You used to read about people you knew growing up, and you find out things that you didn't really know in everyday conversation. You find out their real name, depending on where you grew up. You know, somebody was known by something like, why'd they call him that? Oh, that's his name? Oh, we just call him Peanut. Oh, we didn't know that. Anyway, they they used your real name, uh, Jim Trotter, but you Actually, have to they use... Didn't. They, didn't use your, they didn't use your real name. They didn't they use my given gift. name. Yeah, they didn't use What's my given, given name. Oh, oh, give us, a, come on now, give us some, give us some news off the top. What's your given name? No, it's not the sexiest, James. So my father goes okay, by okay, James. Okay, okay, I was gonna say. You know, oh. I go by Jim. Or and if you're a close family, then it's Jimmy. But um, but that's it. So not this. This is close family here. We're Jim. We're Jimmy. We're James. Jimmy. Uh, so the news, you you tell us, you tell us what what you are comfortable sharing. Uh, you put this out on Twitter, and for those yeah. who are listening on SiriusXM Channel eighty five, you can't see it. Tweet from Jim Trotter. This will be my final week with the NFL Media Group. I was informed over the weekend that my contract is not being renewed. I thank NFL Network and NFL dot com for the lessons learned and affirmed over the last five years. Jim Trotter, take it from here. Yeah, no, they made a decision that, that they didn't want to renew my contract. Um, I will have a lot to say about it at the appropriate time, which is not now. But the thing that I will say now is that um, journalism matters and holding people who are in power accountable matters. And that's part of our job, regardless of if it's our own employer or someone else. And which is really all I tried to do here, Michael, um, is one of the things the NFL always said internally is hold us accountable. Hold us accountable as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so for the last couple of years, that's what I've been trying to do, pointing out that in our newsroom, where we cover a player population that is roughly 60 to 70% black, according to league data, um, there is no black person in senior management in our newsroom who has a seat at the table when we are deciding how we are going to cover these players and who is going to cover them. Secondarily, we do not have a full-time black person on the news desk um, at NFL Media. And I keep saying we, because officially I'm not terminated until Friday. But um, to me, those are issues because one, I think it's unfair to the players. Uh, they should have someone who, who shares either the same or similar life experiences and cultural experiences at the table when we talk about how we are going to cover them. And the fact that we don't, to me, um, it's an issue. So I have raised that repeatedly over the last two years, including at the last two Super Bowls with the commissioner. And there are some who didn't like it. 
And I do believe it played a role in me, my contract not being renewed. And I will talk about that more later, but um, so be it, you know? Uh, I'm not gonna change. And I'm always going to fight for representation and I'm always gonna fight for the truth. How many, how many people have you, you, you tweeted? You couldn't get to all the replies. You know, roughly, how many people have you heard from and double barrel on this? Uh, any, any one of the people that, or anybody reach out to you that, that surprised you? Um, a lot of people. I, I, I've not counted. I've not looked at numbers. In fact, yesterday, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on social media until later in the day. I was actually out in the yard pulling weeds. Uh, for most of the day, since I have extra time on my hands. Um, so I didn't look at the number until later in the evening when I looked at some things and I saw, and this is what's kind of disturbing. Look, we know, I, I always say this, when you know who your opponent is, it's easy to game plan, right? And to some degree, that's what's happening here. So I knew the NFL in some way was going to try and mislead or misinform or deflect as it relates to this. And so on background, they are sending out information to reporters about all of the diversity hires that they have made in over the last year, or in 2022. And here's the thing, and you know this, Michael, that's a real sneaky way of hiding from what I am particularly focused on, and that is black people. I'm not asking you about diversity numbers. I am asking you specifically about the numbers of black employees in our newsroom. And you cannot argue those. And I, if they so choose, I have the receipts to show that I have talked to them about this and, and what they have said and acknowledge that my, my um, uh, numbers are accurate. So from that standpoint, what was particularly interesting to me in the background information they sent out to one reporter was they made a point of saying Jim's immediate supervisor is a person of color. Person of color in this case does not mean black, which is what I am focused on. I, my immediate supervisor is not black, nor is anyone in senior management in the newsroom black, nor is any full-time employee on the news desk black. So I say to people, don't get fooled by the banana in the tailpipe. Stay focused on what I am focused on, and that is the NFL's treatment of black employees. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's almost... It, it, it and you don't have to address this part, but it, it almost seems like there's more work to kind of work around what you're talking about to work it around than it is to just say, "All right, you bring up an excellent point. This is something that we need to work on." And how do you suggest? And we'll and listen. We'll be right there with you. We, you know, you can be, you can work alongside us. We will keep you in the loop. You will be in on interviews. Give us names. Uh, give us situations that can help us. You know, we, we're going to do this and do that. It would be easier to do that than to go through like this this whole sideways off-roading thing that they're doing uh, just to make a point that I'm not really sure that they're making successfully. I got to tell you this. Uh, I was talking to, I, I mentioned this name earlier uh, on the show, before on the show. The name is Howard Thurman. Great man. If you've never heard of Howard Thurman, look him up. But I was talking to somebody about Howard Thurman, and Thurman really was about love, and he said, love and courage. So a lot of situations just take your courage. It takes your courage uh, to get through it. And I could see, I could see what you were doing, 
and it's it's courageous. You may not look at it that way. I think what you have done, what you are doing is courageous and it really speaks to what you value. You don't value the same things that they do. Uh, you don't value uh, some of the same things that people from the outside looking in do because I made the mistake Jim. I shouldn't do this. Uh, I'm always here for the comments and I read through the comments. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. It's my, one of my That's always dangerous. That's always dangerous. So I read through the comments. So, so some of the commenters, it's always the job. See, that's how we get into trouble. It's like it's the job is everything. The job is holy to them. It's holy to them. So in other words, do anything to me, say anything to me, say anything about me, distort the facts. Hey, well, as long as I got the job, because the job is all I need. That's what they value. If you put that in the comment and, and it wasn't just one, it was several commenters really said, well, you know, that's what happens. Well, you know, you got to do this with the job and you don't look at it that way. And I could see, I could see for the past year or year and a half that you had a pretty good idea how things could go if you continue to be yourself and yet you continue to be yourself. So I applaud you for that. And I say, Michael, I appreciate that, by the way. Um, the two things that disappoint me most in this whole process, if I can be 100% honest, is number one, all I was simply trying to do was make the company better. So when you say di diversity, equity, and inclusion are core principles in the NFL and it's good business, all I am trying to do then is help this company be better by saying then let's be diversified and black people are part of that and therefore make them feel valued as well. The second thing I will say to you, and this is what disappoints me most since I have put this out, I got a call yesterday from a member of the Black Engagement Network, which is a, a, a community within the NFL of Black employees, right? And this person said to me that they had been talking about this since I, I put it out that I was not being renewed and said, everyone is demoralized and said, they feel like if this can happen to you, then they know it can happen to them, which means that they can't speak up on this issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion when the league says, hold us accountable. And, and, and look, that's a tried and true tactic of major corporations to intimidate employees. And that's what I feel bad about here is that there are some brilliant people within the NFL media group there are brilliant black people within the NFL media group, and they deserve an opportunity to be able to climb the ladder and to be in these management positions and whatnot. And yet now some of them feel that if they speak out on this, that it, they will face retribution. And that's unfortunate. And I would say this to the NFL. If you really feel comfortable about what you've done in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, put out your numbers for each demographic group on retention and promotion. And let's compare those numbers and then we'll see how you really feel about black people. Because I don't need to see hashtags in the end zone of in racism. And I don't need to see Black Lives Matter on the back of, of helmets. If you really wanna show me how you feel about black people, let's take a look at your um, retention and promotion rates of black people within the company, and then we can have a conversation.
So the, the so the commissioner who said black lives matter uh, from his basement and a video is overseeing an NFL media that has no black lives mattering when it comes to news decision making. That, that's just interesting to me. That's very interesting. But uh, he doesn't manage the newsroom, right? It, but it, right? it's all that was his comment, umbrella. right? You're right. Here's it's, here's it's all here. As I told you, this is what I wanted to follow up with him on when he said that. Technically, he's right. He does not manage the newsroom. But here's what we know. The league office sets the budget for the newsroom. The league office sets the headcount for the newsroom. The, the senior manager in the newsroom reports to the league office and must report his diversity numbers. So if we have all of that, and you say you don't manage the newsroom and you don't know, is that because you don't want to know? Is that because you don't care? I'm just asking, because as I said to you after this, at the Super Bowl, over the last year and a half, no one from the league office has reached out to me when I have brought okay. these issues up. I'm no not one. surprised. Yeah. Uh, look, Jim, we know this. It's not just the NFL, but it is the NFL and other corporations, a lot of them know what to say. They know what to say. They know how it sounds. Hey, we are committed to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. We want it to be equitable. We will do this. We'll do that. We want people to be seen. Like all the all the little buzzwords and buzz we'll phrases. We'll play the Black National Anthem. Yeah, oh, whatever it is. They'll, they'll, they'll do, they'll say what sounds good. They will do what looks good, but ultimately it comes down to what have you done? Where's your production? It's a it's a business of production. What what have you done? How are you better now since the reckoning? Remember, we all talked about the reckoning. We didn't talk about it. Black folks didn't talk about it. Let's 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 be honest. Black folks didn't talk about it. There was this reckoning. It was supposed to be a reckoning uh, after the murder of George Floyd, right? In 2020. There's just mm -hmm. going to be this reckoning. And then that's where you. that's where Roger. That's where Roger Goodell said. Oh, oh, now I get it. Now that's right. Our players are right. We support our players. Black lives matter. Yes, we will work with you. All these things. So we're coming up on three years, three years since the murder of George Floyd. Where does the NFL stand with its numbers? Where do other corporations who put out statements and 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 made all the you know we're going to have seminars and listening sessions we're going to bring in this person bring in this speaker we have counseling for those who need it we know it's traumatic where do you stand as a corporation 3 years later honestly and this is not to shame anybody it's just like okay are you about it or not because if you're not about it it's easier it's easier to understand you and deal with you i know who's not about it but don't don't say you are exactly. and then just keep doing what you and keep doing what you did before. And the last thing I'll say uh, before we talk to the, the, the great the one and only Rita Hubbard in a few minutes. Uh, last thing I'll say is uh, I saw a great James Baldwin documentary last night. James Baldwin abroad. So it's like three short films focused mm. on Baldwin Baldwin in Istanbul Baldwin in Paris Baldwin in London. And one of them, the one in London, 
it was Baldwin and Dick Gregory, if you can imagine those two together oh. in conversation. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was phenomenal. To be a fly but at the very the end, but I know, but at the very end, because it was it was primarily Baldwin. At the very end, uh, Dick Gregory said some uh, had some comments, and Gregory said, "You know, there are some black folks who tell us we shouldn't be protesting, but as a result of their protests, they become the first you know, black medical director of this hospital or whatever. So Jim Trotter, I don't know what you're going to do next, but I do know somebody who is deserving, but somebody deserving is going to get promoted. Somebody deserving is going to get a, a position based on what you have illuminated uh, the last couple of years. So know that, know that, that, that what you have done, uh, this is not work in vain. We're watching you. Uh, we support you and people are going to benefit from what you've said and what you've, uh, what you've made happen. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, man. That means a lot. Truly. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Lamar Jackson is not, he's a free agent. Has there been any internal discussions of, you know, within the organization about perhaps pursuing him? And what do you think, what is your level of interest, if any? Yeah, well, first of all, Lamar Jackson's a fantastic player. Um, but, you know, where where we stand is, you know, it would be disingenuous in, in operating, negotiating in bad faith if we went down that path. Um, so right now we have our plan, we have our process, and we're sticking to that. All right, it's Joe Douglas, uh, general manager of the Jets, and we understand where he's coming from. Okay, he's got an excuse. He got a pass. Rita, he gets a hall pass. Hey, where are you on Lamar Jackson? Okay, hall pass. We're about to get Aaron Rodgers. Okay, keep going. Next. I understand what, what he's saying. I don't understand a lot of other people, but we'll get to that. What I want to know from you, Rita, is how is it playing in Baltimore now that Lamar has gone on a tweet storm and said, oh, you know what? I asked for a trade on March 2nd uh, because the Ravens don't really value me the way a brother needs to be valued. How's that playing in Baltimore? 
I mean, obviously, it's not playing well, right? Nobody wants to go to uh, what it's like without a quarterback, particularly in this division, particularly in the conference of the AFC. So, obviously, you know, Lamar is loved by a lot of people in this town. And so, nobody wants to hear that their favorite person uh, on their favorite team doesn't want to be there anymore because they don't feel like that they're valued. And so it's it's played out the way that you would suggest. I mean, that you would think it's just hasn't bode well, understandably so. And, you know, you really hope that, okay, he said what he said. But then we also heard that they were still having negotiations as early as last week. You hope that they can come to terms with something. But I really feel like this is a situation where Lamar saw that nobody put in an offer sheet. So if he put that out there, it allows him to, to, to teams to at least bite. And it does feel like since he said that, we've been hearing Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay of the Colts kind of playing around with the idea of it. So maybe this is his way of trying to get the needle moved a little bit to see if someone can bolster up an offer or if it's really just him wanting a trade out of Baltimore. But it really just feels like this is a money situation, which to me is salvageable if you pay someone what they believe that they're worth or at least close proximity to it. See, Rita, I may be a little jaded from all my years covering this league, but when I heard Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey, what I heard was the league's voice in their head saying, we need at least one team oh, yeah. to say they have interest in Lamar <laughs> yeah. so we can fight off any collusion claims. That's what I heard. So if Indy is serious about it, then talk to Lamar and find out what Lamar wants. Short of that, to me, didn't mean anything. I agree with that. I, I do think, because I, I felt that way, Jim, when the Raiders came out, like as soon as, you know, uh, the availability for the non-exclusive tag, they mentioned it. And the Raiders was one of the teams that was like, oh, well, we're not going to take away the option of Lamar Jackson, which a lot of us knew that the Raiders probably weren't in it from a financial perspective. So to me, that was BS as well. So when we heard Ursay and them speak, I agree with you. I said the same thing. It's just ironic that that was the team who does have the number four overall pick, who does have cap space, said what they said, because even... In that situation, it does feel like it's a potential go in that regard, like a good fit in terms of draft capital for the Ravens, in terms of the money that they have. But then you hear Jim Ursay go and say, you know, money is not the issue. I just don't like fully guaranteed contracts. So that's how you know (laughs) that that they're just like, yeah, I'm just BSing here a little bit. I'm just putting my hand out there and saying that that's what I'm going to do. But I ain't going to really do it. But I feel like I should just play around and and, and play along with what's going on right now. Okay. Can I say this real quick, Mark? Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Until I hear Lamar Lamar Jackson say, my contract must be fully guaranteed. Right. Yes. I don't buy any of this, right? That's Too what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jim. One, for Jim Ursay, okay, you don't like fully guaranteed contracts. When's the last time you talked to Lamar? Like, right. you talked to Lamar? So, who is available information to be spoken up? to? That's, by that's the way. why, that's why, that's why it is collusion. Where are they getting their information from? We know where they're getting their information from. They're getting it from Baltimore. So 
for a guy who doesn't have an agent and you haven't talked to him and yet you're saying this with confidence. How okay. Give me your source. Hey, as a journalist, I'm not supposed to unless I'm your editor. I'm not supposed to ask you for your sources. I'm gonna ask you for your sources though. Jim Irsay, right. where are your sources? Because we know and that's why that's why we're having this situation right now. But that aside that aside, it's, it's funny that, that these billionaires uh, don't want to guarantee contracts for anybody. Why not? <laughs> and why aren't why aren't fans pushing for that? But that aside Rita on that list. Can we bring up that list again, Gary of the 11 you know, possible destinations or logical destinations for Lamar Jackson? I'm wondering from a Baltimore perspective, because I just, just want to know um, just from what from what you've observed and heard what folks think of these 11 teams on the list. Which one would drive Ravens fans the craziest if Lamar Jackson okay. wound up there? So you have to go with the Colts, right? Because there's history there. There's obvious history there. There's very yeah. rich history there. And Jim Irsay is in the middle or his father. <laughs> His father was in the middle of this history. Uh, and, and while there's a lot of people that are too young to remember, I was, I ain't gonna tell my age, but I was alive when <laughs> when they rolled out you the were middle alive. of the <laughs> I was alive. I was still very young. But you have generations of people like my dad who will constantly remind you of what happened in that situation. So that's one. Two is yeah. the commanders because Baltimore and DC do not get along. I know that they're 45 minutes apart. Baltimore is not the DMV. I want to be clear here. And so we do not rock with the people down the street. They don't rock with the people up the street. So the commanders would, would be annoying. Of course, you got to say the Patriots because the Ravens and the Patriots for years had a, a, a rivalry thing going on, even though they weren't in the same division, but they played, you know, playoff games together. They played a lot of high profile games over the years. So that's definitely one. I think the others, you just kind of like, eh. But those three, in that order, by the way, I put it in, in that the order. order in which I believe that the fans would hate it the most are the ones that that Ravens fans would definitely be like, okay, this this hurts. This and you know what? And you know what? I, I love that, Rita. We don't mess with people down the street. They don't mess with us. Okay, fine. You stay over here. That's right. We'll stay over here. All right, like, leave us alone. We, we ain't even trying to holler at you across the chain link fence. But let me ask you this. This is funny. <laughs> Today, I'm told, is the 39-year anniversary of Robert Ursay. Yep. Sneaking out of town. Yep. Sneaking out of town with the Baltimore Colts and turning them into the Indianapolis Colts. A day, a, a dark day, a dark day in the in the state of Maryland. Yes, my dad will never, my father and, and rest his soul, my grandfather would never let you live it down, okay? My dad still has tons of Colts memorabilia. Now, mind you, he's a big Ravens fan. I, he has definitely, you know, adapted to what they are now. But my father was one of the the heartbreakers that, that the Colts dealt with in terms of fans that left. He still has his Johnny Unitas photo hanged up. He has a photo of Lenny Moore. He loves his Colts. And so I'm sure he knows about this day. I'm not going to bother him about it. I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> but I'm sure he knows it. 
um, at his big age. And I'm sure he's over there reminiscing, looking at old videos and old photos. And also, my grandfather went to the the game, the greatest game I've ever played, uh, that, that championship game against the Giants. So there's a lot of history. Mm. My family, like, being huge Colts fans. So, yeah, that was, that was a, a devastating day in my household. Oh, I love that, what happened man. Just hearing about your family great? and the history. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather absolutely went. It was, it was, it's, he, it's some great memories, took some pictures. So it was dope. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they finally had an opportunity to root for somebody else because uh, they weren't going to root for the team down the street, like I told y'all. And uh, they weren't going to root for the team over West, which is the Steelers. So, and they tried to make you be Dolphins fans back in the day. They used to play Dolphins games a lot on CBS. So uh, they they never wavered. They waited till 96, got their team, and then, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> you know, Jim and Rita, and tell me if, uh, if I'm just exaggerating on this so much. You know, when you, uh, when you talk, when you were a kid, and how they get you, it, it depend on, depends on who you heard this from. They wouldn't yell at you. They'd say, you know what? I'm just disappointed. Anyway, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm just disappointed because I thought I thought I thought, you know, I thought you'd give me more than that. So I, I guess I'm there with the Ravens. How how the Ravens get to this situation where Lamar Jackson, the most important player in the franchise is asking for a trade and they're just kind of in this silly situation with Lamar. I just feel like it's so avoidable. Uh, I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in the Ravens. I, I, I expect this from the commanders. Texans. Browns. Like, I mean, certain franchises, this just stupid stuff over and over. It's over and over. I'm like, of course it's y'all. I don't know why you give them so much credit because I've mentioned this before on this show that, you know, what Joe Flacco also went through his fifth year option and obviously he won a Super Bowl on that, but they tried to, you know, give him a deal that he didn't like in his fifth year and he decided to play it out. And we know as a result that he got his contract after he won the Super Bowl. So this is their MO. I, I don't, you know, they, they I, I think that they think that they have a standard that they go by, and that's fine. But what I'd say to that is that the league is constantly evolving. And if Lamar is telling you that he's not asking for a fully guaranteed deal, is it simply that you guys both have lines that you just refuse to cross and that this is just an ego staring fest on both sides? Is it that the Ravens just feel like that they're too arrogant because they have the the, the exclusive rights for him at the moment in terms of like having the tag on him and no one has put out an offer sheet? I don't know what's happening, but I just feel like you might be giving them a little bit too much credit because I've seen them do this before. This is not new as far as I'm concerned. It's just gone longer than what we've expected. But they've done this to Joe Flacco, who at that point had been the two previous AFC Championship game, his third year in the AFC Championship. Obviously, we know he went to a Super Bowl and then they paid him. So that's just how they are. I love the history lesson. Love the history lesson. Because I'm with you, Michael. I'm, I'm that guy that thought the Ravens are one of those organizations that I held up and said, you know, basically they conduct their business, you know, above board, so to speak. But to Rita's point, what I would like to know, if they both have these lines that we're talking about, I want to know what those lines are. Yes. Right? 
because we're sitting out here, we're all speculating and whatnot, and we're drawing conclusions. And the emotional part of me says, look, I'm, I'm all with Lamar. You know that. I've said that. He's my favorite player in the NFL. But the journalist part of me says, before I can make any sort of, of, of conclusion, come to any conclusion, I need to know what the facts are. So what are these lines that separate these two clubs? And until we hear that, it's, from a journalistic standpoint, it's hard to really draw any conclusion. It, well, okay. Okay, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're right, Jim. But I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, developing thought. Uh, because I've, I've been so focused on the collusion aspect of it that I haven't really thought about maybe some other factors with Lamar Jackson. Maybe it's, it's the same thing that got Lamar Jackson drafted 32nd overall. Even though he had a brilliant college career. It's a black quarterback. People don't get it. It's hard to understand his skill set. And so I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not talking about the Ravens. I'm about the rest of the league. Because if I say to you, if Josh Allen says, hey, you know what? I'm out of Buffalo. I want out. I want a fully guaranteed contract. He's never won a Super Bowl either. Got a good playoff record, but never won a Super Bowl. Uh, Josh Allen would have a, he'd have a deal. I, I think like see, most, most, quarter, most quarterbacks with the profile of Lamar Jackson would have a deal. It's, uh, there's collusion, there are collusion, there are collusive elements, but there's something else here too that uh, makes me a little uncomfortable. But to your point, Michael, and I have asked this question of GMs around the league that I know and I trust. Take Lamar's situation, right? Everything is exactly the same. It is what it is but simply remove Lamar from the equation and put Joey Burrow in the equation. Would Joe Burrow get what he's asking for if it is indeed a fully guaranteed contract? And yes. what GMs have said to me is probably. So, so I can't remove this element of Lamar being treated differently because he is Lamar and because of some of the things you said because I do believe if Joey Burrow were the one in that in the exact same situation, exact same background, he would get that fully guaranteed contract. I do think that Lamar is a, a player that people can't put in a box. And because of that, it's very difficult to evaluate him in terms of value. And it's not difficult to us, right? Because all we see is the talent portion of it all, forget all of the other things about you know you know him being a black quarterback him you know having a southern accent and all these other things we see him in terms of how he plays football but I think that other people add those things in addition to him being a player because when you see reports that were coming out yesterday and they were talking about his sleep and his eating habits oh but he has a, nobody you know talked about his character then why are we having oh, this conversation? Boy. Because right, we can right, talk right. about a lot of quarterbacks who are out here doing certain things and not doing. Patrick Mahomes just told us, and we celebrate them. That he, and we, we celebrate take, them. We do. He told us that he didn't even watch film and that he just started seeing defenses differently because his he's seeing film differently now. He was literally using his ability. His God gift ability to play football, and then decided he wanted to take it another step and read defenses better. And yet, we thought that that was a cool story. But somehow, because Lamar has one playoff win, I guess we keep saying, "Oh, well, he he eats 
weird and he sleeps weird and we're coming up with all of these excuses and it's just very weird to me how we've gotten to this point do you like the way he plays quarterback does he win football games for your franchise yes or no because really to me that's the bottom line he's a good kid he doesn't get in trouble okay so he has some bad habits those things can be fixed those are fixable things, right? It doesn't affect his play it, to a degree. It doesn't affect his character either. I just don't understand why this is such a big deal. So I, I agree with that. I, I just really feel like this is just an unfortunate situation that not only the Ravens, because no one else has stuck their neck out and said, I'm going to go ahead and take a chance, are all seeing this the same way. It's really unfortunate. Well, Rita, great stuff as usual. This is what it comes down to for NFL owners. They want a lot of money. Yep. And they want a lot of control. <laughs> they want a lot of money. They want a lot of control. So when Lamar Jackson asks for a lot of money, they're going to keep their money and they're going to keep their control because if he breaks the code, ooh, we got a new day with guaranteed contracts. So they're shutting them out. This is why, ahead, this is why Joey Burrow and, and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts all need to say no fully guaranteed contract. No extension. Absolutely. He got to get guys in his army. Got to yeah. build his army. As soon as he does that, yeah. he rolling. Sometimes, Jim Trotter, it takes one person to step out to make it easier for everybody else. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching today. I'm preaching today. <laughs> Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's like we can't celebrate people. Uh, the league's in a great place. It really is. It's an amazing place. We got Joel Embiid uh, and Joker, two centers in a non-center league, dominating the league. Uh, we got Giannis, and I always put him as a whatever, because we don't know what Giannis is. He's just one of the best players in the league. Uh, Jason Tatum is, is playing unbelievable. Kevin Durant, if he wasn't here, I mean, you can just keep going. Um, and I really believe this is the best the league's been in a long, long time. And you can like them all. You can actually not like one because you love the other one, but you don't have to hate on anybody. Oh, that was Sixers coach Doc Rivers. And, and as I said in the feed, Ash and Nicole Moss, uh, it's the right words for the wrong audience. Uh, and maybe that's the right audience right there, right there that he was talking to. But these MVP voters in these streets, 
are divided. They are, they will tear the other one apart to celebrate their person. <laughs> they will, I mean, they will tear people down. Uh, some of the, uh, I mean, some of the uh, oh, accusations, man. some of the accusations, some of the arguments are crazy. Ashley, how did mm. the MVP discussion be so, become so contentious? Um, because it's so fluid and it changes from season to season. One year, what the criteria for MVP is, is different than the following year. So when something's so fluid like that, it leaves a lot of room for discussion and debate and pushback. Um, we've seen, you know, Steph Curry be in the conversation for the same reasons that Dame Willard was never in the conversation. We've seen, you know, other players be in the conversation for reasons those players weren't in the conversation. So it seems like it's a case by case, season by season basis, which is fine. But if you're going to do something like that, then you need to generalize the criteria enough to where there is still some sort of a regulation. If you play this amount of games, you're, you can be in the running. If you don't meet that amount of games, you can't be in the running. If your team's not within you know, these four or five positions within the standings, you can be in the running. If not, you can't be like, we can't switch, we can't move the goalposts as we like to use that terminology a lot. Whenever it's convenient, whenever our favorite, you know, is having a great season, but they're on a losing team. You know, I feel like it's a little bit of the favoritism game. And whenever you start doing that and it becomes a popularity contest, you're always going to have conversations like this. You know, um, as I saw those clips that producer Gary Carter put up, tell me, Ashley, I, I just feel this is part of what bothers me about my profession is that mm. we can be so disrespectful to these players. And mm. to use terms like, Embiid is ducking um, <laughs> Jokic. I mean, mm -hmm. that attacks that man's athletic character, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just feel that that's wrong. Because um, I believe, personally, without even knowing the man, but just watching him play, that if he's healthy or he's right, he's going to be on the court. And he's going to relish the opportunity right. to play against someone who is considered to be maybe the front runner for MVP. So I just, I'm curious about your thoughts about how if you feel that same way, that, that we do disrespect these players by, at times, questioning their athletic character when really there is nothing in their history that reflects that. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, like, and I've always been accused of being too pro-player, but I'm very careful on the words that I use to describe players, whether, you know, it's their performance or them as individuals, because I think that the part, part of the problem within the sports media landscape is that we have gotten away from humanizing players Thank and you. we kind of get a little um, egregious with the words that we use to describe them or describe the things that they're doing. So I'm very particular about, you know, not doing that. But I will say that, listen, does it look great that Joel Embiid didn't play against Jokic? No. Is there a better way to vocalize that? Yes. Does that or should that negate everything he has done throughout an entire season? No. Will it for the hot take community? Yes. Yeah, it's just, you know, the nature, the nature of the beast. But you cannot negate an entire MVP caliber season off of the fact that he didn't go ahead and play against one of his fellow MVP candidates. That's not quite how it works. There's an 82-game season for a reason. One game doesn't make or break his entire resume within the course of a season. It's a little bit, you know, exaggeratory and a little bit like just 
come on, really, are we doing this? But then again, I understand it's the nature of the beast. But I'm agreeing with you 100%. I don't like the terminology that is sometimes used to describe players and the way that they play the game. Not a fan. All right. So, so I let's see if, if Vinny Goodwill is the outlier here. So I was talking <laughs> to him last week. I said, all right, Vinny. I said, for MVPs, I really can't tell you from memory. I can't tell you who won in a certain year going back. Now, in the finals, like champions, NBA champions, I got it. Like you throw out a year, throw out a year right now. Throw out a year right now, and I'll tell you. Uh, 1999. Oh, okay, that was a lockout year. You know what? The Spurs. The Spurs, they beat the Knicks. They beat the Knicks and they saw and they beat them at the garden in the clincher. I was there. I covered that one. Anyway, so I got that stuff. It's in my head. But okay. MVPs, I don't have it like that. And my point is, is it does it really I don't want to say it's an insignificant award. It's not. It's a very important award. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about it like like lives are gonna change and, and like, Yeah. Like it's is it really is it that serious? What am I missing? Am I missing something? Is it that? It's, si- is it's, it- it's a bragging rights award, right? It's one of those awards that you can say you were the best player of all the teams in the NBA, of all the players in the NBA. You were the very best. It is somewhat of a prestigious award. You know, it's like being the MVP of the NFL and you know the MVP <laughs> of any league. It's saying of all the people that play that sport, and have dedicated their lives to the sport, you were the very best that season. So I wouldn't say it means nothing, but I feel like the discourse within the award has gotten bigger than the award itself, if that makes sense. I feel like the conversations surrounding it and how just they have become almost these think pieces, it's not that deep. Who's the best basketball player that season Give them the award? The way that we're diving into race theory and and bias yep. theory and all these just like yeah. collegiate just theories that like I've learned in lecture class is just a little bit over the top hey, for me. We're not you know, solving. Hey, listen. We're, we're not solving the environmental here. crisis here. We're giving an MVP award to a basketball player. Let's let's pump our brakes a little bit. It's not that. Don't deep, be going at think. the. Don't be going at the academy. Don't be going at the academy, <laughs> uh, Ashley. Is it that deep, Trotter? The thing for me is that it's a lot like Hall of Fame voting because there are no criteria to tell you what defines a Hall of Famer or what defines an MVP, you know, it's open to interpretation for every different voter. And that and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with are things like what Ashley just pointed out is we're going to say it comes down to one game where Joel Embiid says, I've been playing sloppy. I've been playing a lot of minutes, which means I'm tired. I need to be geared up for the playoffs. And so he's looking for the, towards the big picture as opposed to this one game And then we say things like, well, he's out of the MVP race because he didn't play this one game. I just. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it's just for me, it's just so disrespectful to him. And I get we live in the hot take culture where, you know, we got to have something to talk about and that sort of thing. But what bothers me, too, is that when you have former professional athletes who use certain words that are triggering, you know, and should know better. Perk should know better than to talk about ducking. I mean, that, that's such an insult to a, to an athlete of, of Joel's stature, in my opinion. And, yeah. you know, I, that's just how I feel about it. Let, 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 me, uh, let, me, let me switch up and talk to you guys about the NCAA tournament. First, 
uh, you can go ahead and, and shout out where, where you know, what school you're going for. Shout out to them boys from Boca, four. FAU, Owls Up. We here. What's up, Final Four? <laughs> this is good. <laughs> look, look, you know, Michael, behind my head is my helmet from Howard University, <laughs> my, my beloved university. But I also you, teach. You know. Yeah, you know. I also teach at San Diego <laughs> State, and therefore I am pulling for the Aztecs against Miss <laughs> Ashley's club. So mm-hmm. if you want to put a little something on it, Ash, if you feel that mm-hmm. confident about your boy. I never, I, we, we one thing about me is I never bet against my, I never bet for or against my own team. So I feel like it puts bad juju on it. I just let the gods, the basketball gods do what they do. And I stay clear of it. I don't try to interfere. I will not be placing any bets on any game with the word FAU in it. Absolutely not. And, and see, then you took me out of it. Cause I was going to say, we can't be doing any $700 sunglasses though, right? <laughs> right? Some, some of us, some of us can't roll like that, sold. right? I'm gonna be fully honest <laughs> with you guys. I ain't paying that debt. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Just on principle alone. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey I, I see y'all having so much fun. I just wanna point out, you know, Boston University is also in the final four. Like nobody's talking about BU. I know what's what frozen hockey? for is hockey. I was gonna say hockey. I know yeah. y'all, y'all want y'all ain't down with hockey. Is that what it is? You got nothing. I didn't, to see, it. Got I didn't see it in your you gotta, feed, Mister Holly. So it can't be that big a deal if it wasn't in your it's feed. It's right there. It's right there. Where? It's right there Where? in the feed. It's right. No, Look no, at that. Boston no. University is in the final four to see too. The fe- no, no, no. I need to see the feed, not the not the Chiron. At the yeah, bottom. not the lower third. Feed. Where's the feed? Yeah. It's in, it's in the feed too. I, yeah, yeah, just check it out. You'll see it. Hey, okay. you know what? Hey, All listen, right. Gary. Can I you apologize. put my feet up on the screen? Can you put my feet up so 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 Jim and Ashley can see it? Uh, you know, now they doubt me. Now I put it down there pretty low. <laughs> a little, uh, obviously, a little a little tongue in cheek. There it is. Look at that. Between Where Doc Rivers and the Brooklyn Nets, number I think it's number eight. There it is. Listen. I also right, want to take right. this moment right. just to switch gears a little bit and say that Jim, the NFL world, they lost the good one. They lost the real one, but all good. Real ones always bounce back. So I just wanted to go ahead and say that. Listen, they, I, they lost the real one. I appreciate you, sister, and I'm not going anywhere. So my voice will be yes. even louder going forward. Trust I love me that. On that. I love to hear yeah. it. Small comeback for what is it? Small setback for a major comeback. Well, I don't know. I always mess up That's it. Yeah, there you go. I'm from New York. We nice. don't, the Italian side of me will always mess up a saying. I get that from my mom. Like <laughs> it's all good. I, I appreciate you sincerely. Guys, now I, I want to ask you guys this before uh, before we get you out of here. And and yeah, you know I know Don Staley. Don Staley Ooh. mentioned the coverage of women's basketball. And mm-hmm. you know, Natalie has talked about this too. She said, hey, Aaliyah Boston's still not getting enough credit. I said, hey, Aaliyah Boston's going to mm. be the number one pick in the draft and they're undefeated. Still not enough, says mm-hmm. Natalie. So, uh, Ashley, I'll start with you. Staley, displeased with the media coverage, uh, do you think she has a case? Yeah, she absolutely does. I mean, has it gotten better? Yes, I'm not going to say there hasn't been progress, but I feel like the product is so superior and just so high quality that it's not getting the same coverage that it deserves for something of that caliber, right? You look at everything that is put into the men's tournament and the exposure and the conversations and the ads, and as it should be, it's a great 
great product. It brings a lot of eyes. But if you've been watching the women, they are pooping. They're having some incredible games. There's trash talk. There's beef. There's rivalries. They're going at it. I mean, it is a absolutely incredible product. And for it to not go ahead and get the same type of backing that you would expect from, you know, the sports world is a business, right? And in any business, you put your money behind something that is a great product and that a lot of people are going to tune in to watch. And that goes ahead and broadcasts a great product to people who aren't there to watch in person. Except when it comes to women's sports, that formula seems to change. And that is a problem because it's not an inferior product, but it's being treated like one. Ash, real quick, we got like 30 seconds. I wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. about these people who try and create the narrative that Don Staley should go and take over a men's program to show just how good a coach she is. They were talking about Temple. Mm -hmm. I wonder your thoughts on that, because I I just think that is so ridiculous um, for that to even be a point of discussion. Women don't have to infiltrate men's sports to showcase how good they are at sports. And women don't have to infiltrate men's spaces to go ahead and showcase that they're just as good as the men or they belong where the men belong. We can showcase that in women's sports. We can showcase that in men's sports. It is not a factor of where she does it. The proof of what she brings to the table is in her resume, and that's all that matters. So if she decides to go into men's sports, great. But if she doesn't, it doesn't make her less than a man, a men's coach, and it certainly doesn't make her less than a men's basketball player. And women in general, if they choose to exist in women's sports, it does not make them less than their male counterparts who are reporting on male sports. Let's leave it at that. There's We don't have to go ahead and prove you know, our work. We're almost... We're almost in National Poetry Month. You know what they do it at those those poetry <laughs> outings. There it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ashley Nicole Mars. Bring it in. And who's and you know what? I think I you know, Trotter, I think I may have to roll with San Diego State though. Nothing personal, oh, Ashley. Oh, boo. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, Jim Trotter, a few seconds left. You know anybody on the San Diego State team, or is it just, hey, it's a university. I might as well go ahead and root for them. Any of your students? I know of them. I know know none of of my students, but my students are covering the Final Four. So from that standpoint, as I told them, enjoy it, have fun, soak in the moment, learn all you can. And that's great. You check out their coverage. You'll be like, you know what? It's a good job. But you could have asked a better follow-up question there. Or I heard you during the, the interview scrum. Always of teaching, course. right? That's what we do. Love it. Hey, Make hey, them better. We'll see you again here on the show, Jim Trotter. Thanks, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.